Ooh. Kind of vibey. Yeah, I like yeah. The, I like the song. It's kind of cool. I'm gonna turn up a little bit. It is cool. So, Rachel. Yes. Tell us the story you were just telling us about <laughs> with, the, with the bus and your friends, because it's going to fit perfect what we're going to talk about tonight. So, it was my friends, her and her future husband-to-be. They were, I think, in their late teens driving home from a church outreach or some kind of camp going on um, in rural Panhandle, Florida, and they were driving through this area where there a lot of there was just a lot of thick spiritual oppression. They could feel it, and everyone was trying to sing and just um, praise and pray through it. And I, my friend got really overwhelmed just with the amount of you know it just felt you could feel the darkness. And so she's got her eyes glued shut, and another friend is hugging her and telling her it's going to be okay. And and then she's like, she just is like told, not by her friend, but she's just told, open your eyes and you'll see what's really going on. And she doesn't want to. She's sobbing because she's terrified and the darkness is just so overwhelming. And then she's somehow able to open her eyes and behind them, just like following them in the bus is this blazing light, like, like white fire, mm. like no clear figure but just something just cutting through the darkness and she just can feel like this is this is your guardian <laughs> this is protecting you um you're not alone just keep praising keep praying and she, you know she is just overcome with emotion and can feel the darkness like split you know like a knife but but yeah like she didn't know <laughs> all along that she was protected and i think just if we were able to see what is actually going on in the spiritual realm i think mm -hmm. we would just be flat on our backs just passing out you know like yeah. we would not be able to cope 100 percent, 100 percent. so uh yeah i was gonna think that that's a really good point it's uh we, it's so true. There's this, uh, I'm trying to think of how to say it in a way, because even though it's a private podcast, I still want to be careful. Yeah. We were uh, interviewing this guy for a position at work. He was going to work, uh, I guess, on whatever. I'm the lead, and he was going to work underneath me. But uh, he, he said he was an interesting guy, and he ended up not... He ended up getting a job at the White House, so we were like, uh, yeah, you can go ahead and take that job. <laughs> we, we get it. <laughs> um, I was like, I don't understand what you'd be doing there, and you're kind of an interesting guy. But anyways, uh, he was he just made this really offhanded comment during the uh, interview, and it was so radical. It had nothing to do with the interview, but he was just like, if you'd seen the things I've seen, if you knew the kind of stuff I know, you wouldn't be able to sleep at night. <laughs> I was like, dude, this is really, uh, a, first of all, this doesn't have anything to do with the job interview. Your job has nothing to do with any kind of, uh, he was he was a military analyst. Mm. And we were not doing military analysis as a job. So yeah. if anyone's out there, didn't give anything away. I don't do military <laughs> analysis. Um, and uh, and he, it, it just was this comment that he made. He's like, the number of... Uh, 
like as much crap as we get. So I'm. I promise this will make sense. We've always said like the amount of stuff that we talk about with like oh the agency the CIA did this or the FBI is doing that. At the same time, we also do. At least I'll speak for myself, but I think you guys too have a respect for all the things that we don't hear about, like all the terrorist attacks that never go off because they are caught by the people yeah. that are good, you know, yeah. working for the government. And actually, you know, just because the people at the top of these agencies are politicized and using, you know, the, you know, Obama's, you know, Justice Department was going after Trump and they were doing stuff and there was genuinely bad people that were doing things that were politicized. Oh, should I talk, talk more? Yeah, sorry. Um, there's a lot of like the the normal person that works at the FBI, the normal person that works at the CIA or the NSA. Um, they genuinely just want to keep our country safe, keep us safe. And there are so many things that do happen that they catch that we have no idea about. Yeah, but what's the story? Tell us about this guy. That... Oh no, he just made that comment, and that's oh, what okay. he was getting at. Oh, okay. And I was going to say, yeah. and he basically said like, you wouldn't be able to sleep at night if you knew all of the terrorist attacks that we stopped or how close oh, okay. we get to, you know, if only you knew about the terrorist attack that we just barely caught before it went off in right wherever area, you know, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, or, you know, Washington, D.C. <laughs> if we knew every time that something got caught, we, w- we wouldn't be able to sleep at night. And I was tying yeah. that back into what you were saying about if we still had that same idea about the spiritual realm of what's going on beside us at any point like yeah. in, I don't want to say like in this room and in, in your room that like there's demons, you know, like fighting right in front, you know, on this table in front of us, they're, you know, punching and angels are fighting and like cutting each other up and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in yep. that maybe direct visceral way, but I mean, all around us there is like this huge battle that's going on that we i probably it would be so terrifying to see what is actually (laughs) you know what i mean like the yeah to see you know when uh like for your friend if she genuinely you know had the was looking around and could see what was oppressing her it could be so terrifying that like yeah she i mean she was feeling that terrified i couldn't imagine like seeing it and um, yeah like everyone could feel it so it was there was a lot going on you know yeah like sometimes yeah. it's just a personal thing that you're feeling and maybe it's just personal to your experience or maybe you know just one entity or something but this was like the whole area was just and everyone could feel it so it's just so wild yeah well, let me uh let me cut in here so this is the private episodes. Everybody listening knows that. But we're taking a break from the book oh, this week okay. yeah. for this episode. We'll, be, we'll return back to the Jesus in the Talmud, which we've been going through chapter by chapter, Rosie and I have. And Rachel just is joining us on this for this one, obviously. And uh, we're going to talk about spiritual matters, uh, just more personal stuff that we've gone through and things that we're experiencing, even currently um, been experiencing. But um, so th- if you're wondering... What are they talking about? <laughs> That's what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> and uh, so I just wanted to set that up because... Uh, that's, no, that's good. Yeah. I totally forgot we were doing a series. Yeah. <laughs> so if someone's waiting, like, when are they going to talk about the Talmud? <laughs> It'll be back. Don't worry. Yeah. 
uh, and we'll probably title this thing so people will know. You know, yeah, that's a good point as, too. As they click on it, but um, that's what I love about doing the private episode here. We first of all, we can't get censored, so we are allowed to talk freely. And we we always joke about that, but you don't appreciate it until you can do it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you re- you don't even realize how easily you are are your voice is being hindered uh, until you don't have you have that lifted and you can say whatever you want, however you want. Yeah. And obviously, we're not happy about that because of being able to like cuss or whatever. That's not the reason. But I did say the f word last time. You, no. You did say it, but it was justified. You for, you and you. Egged me on. Remember? I did. I egged you on. I did. But it's okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, Rachel, that story messy. that you were just telling, it was about a friend who was on a bus. She was on a worship minist- in a worship ministry and praying through a weird, dark area. And um, I don't know if I've ever shared the story on the regular podcast about my angel. I've had – I know for a fact I've had two Ooh. angel encounters. One was – amazing the other one was like uh more benign actually yeah i've had probably three yeah so one of them is questionable one of them is not as questionable one of them is undeniable Hmm. and i have an eyewitness Mm -hmm. which one would you guys like to hear first Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) man i mean the witness one i guess like okay well can I say with, all three? Can you just do all three? I can. I can if you guys want. It'll take a minute or two. Well, I was gonna say, you know what would be better because if we were gonna talk, uh, obviously, we, and for anyone listening, we haven't prepped this much, right? Yet, so yeah. uh, you're hearing us right now. If do you want to like maybe save the good ones for late, a little bit later? No, you can like sprinkle them in. Okay, all right. I was gonna say I don't. I have one good, one, like an angel one. Yeah, and everything else. It's is not bad. <laughs> so maybe you could, I was going to say save, because if we're front-loading all yeah, of them with like sure. all the good angels, and then the rest of it is just like. Okay. So I'll go. I'll go do, you, do you agree? Yeah, yeah, that's 100%. Thing? Yeah, that's good. So uh, so the first one, which is the the one that's probably the most, like it could be, it could not be an angel possibly. Mm-hmm. How about I say that? Yeah. So I worked at a church, and um, – this is at the old building, back before we built our big building, and um, and it was an old shopping center. It was like an old strip mall, and my office was actually in. I was a youth pastor. It was in my youth room, and it was on the other side of the church. And the offices were on the other side of the church. So most of the pastors, other than the two youth pastors, were we were we were on the other side of the church. And everybody else was in the office area, and. Uh, so I had to go over to the office area. I think I was trying to make copies or something. I don't know what I was doing. And it was a cold, gray, really kind of rainy day. And I would always cut through the sanctuary um, to get to the office side and go through the back of the worship stage, and I could get into the office area from there. And as I was walking through the sanctuary, I noticed at the front row of the – and it was completely dark. No lights were on in the sanctuary. It was very dark. And probably about, I don't know, six, seven hundred seats in the sanctuary at that time. Yeah. And uh, there was this older woman sitting on the front seat on the corner of the sanctuary right at, by the stage. And as I walked by and I was on, we had like two rows and there was an, there was like 
a, a row. Three rows of seats, but yeah. like two aisles. You two aisles that went up. So the aisles went up each side of the stage kind of. And so you had like angled chairs and, and it, it wasn't like a normal like sanctuary like you would think about like with one aisle down the middle or whatever. So I went up the yeah. far, I went up the far right angle, uh, aisle and she was sitting on the end chair on the far left aisle. And so I looked across and it was kind of dark and I caught her silhouette and it was just a woman praying, which occasionally people would stop by the church to pray. Well, yeah, this you know? isn't on a Sunday. No, it was like a probably a Monday or Tuesday or something like that. I, I forget what day it was. And uh, so I walked through the back of the stage and I was right in the reception area. And I was like the main reception lady, Marilyn. I said, hey, Marilyn, um, do you think we should turn the lights on for that lady praying in the sanctuary? And she goes, what lady? And I was like, the lady praying in the sanctuary. And she's like, there's no one praying in the sanctuary. Yeah, let's go. And she goes, come on. So I walked in and we walked right through. Literally, the amount of time it took me to tell you the story, we walked back in the sanctuary and she was gone. Hmm. Nobody was there. And uh, she goes, you probably saw an angel. And she kind of said it in jest. And I was like, yeah, I probably saw an angel. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just chilling out, relaxing in the sanctuary just of the church. Praying. Yeah. And uh, so that was the most benign one, the, mm. the, the, the least. But it did kind of get me thinking throughout the day, you know, like, man, wow. How cool would it have been if I just stumbled upon an angel in our sanctuary when no, one's out, no one else is there? Yeah. Who knows doing what, right? Praying. Praying, yeah, I Hopefully. guess. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. Do angels need to pray, Rosie? <laughs> I would say that they might be praying on our behalf. Praying for us, yeah. Do you think? Maybe. Could they? Is that... There are yeah. ministering angels. That's what the scripture tells us. So there's angels that that will do uh, warfare, and there are angels that minister. We know that because Jesus, uh, Jesus after he fasted for 40 days— in the desert, after he was tempted by Satan, uh, I think it's Luke's gospel tells us that he was ministered to by angels. Hmm. They served him, maybe food or something. I don't know. But That's so crazy. I mean, just the whole idea, of, just when you said it again, that he was, that he was tempted. Because he, he was hungry. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, does it say anything... Um, now that I'm just thinking about it, during the time that he also, it's only the angels came at the end. It never said that he was, that angels came during it. Not to give him food or anything, but I mean, do you think to encourage him? Like, the, mm-hmm. I don't know, that adds a whole aspect of what I was just thinking uh, that I never thought about the first time. Or, you know, all the times I've heard that. That uh, Jesus was probably like, that That was helpful. Like, that to ha- know that they were came down and like supported him and ministered to him. Right, right. I mean, he said to him, he said in his in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. I remember this part too, where he was arrested, and they said, "We're looking for Jesus Nazareth," and uh, he said, "I am He." And or the, I, I think they accused him. I think they said, "We're looking for the one who calls himself the Messiah." I can't. I have to go back and look. It might be in Matthew's Gospel, but anyways, he says, "I am He," and all the soldiers fall down. And they get up, and then Peter pulls out his sword, and he strikes the ear Mm -hmm. of the high priest's servant in the temple. His name is Malchus, and he cuts his ear off. And Jesus picks up the ear and puts it back on him, and he says, Don't you know (laughs) that I could call a legion of Mm -hmm. angels 
or no, a, was it a legion? Yeah, it was a legion, a legion of angels to to come to my side if I wanted. Yeah. And so it was basically a thousand angels could come and, or I think a, a legion, a thousand, do you guys remember either, any of you guys? I thought it was 5,000. I could be wrong. Yeah, maybe it was. Probably. <laughs> I know the one guy had a bunch of demons in him and he called himself, the they called themselves legion. Yeah. yeah. But uh, anyways, Jesus could call, could have called on them. So, you know, um, it's more I so I was just thinking of like, you know, uh, because, because it said that he was tempted um, because obviously he was hungry because he was a human. Right. He had a human body that was hungry 20, you know, 25 days into mm-hmm. it. Right. And that's why he was tempted to some degree. It says he was tempted. Well, Satan came to him and tempted him. With food, right. And with he tempted food, him. power. Um, yeah, he said, turn these rocks in, into bread. Or you could jump, uh, you know, he, the angels will come and. Yeah, he uh, said, if you worship, him. if, yeah, he tempted him to suicide, to break his fast, and and to worship him, worship Satan himself. Yeah. Um, because he took him to the highest point and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Mm-hmm. So these are mine. Bow, bow down and worship me and I'll give you whatever you ask. Yeah. <laughs> the guy who created everything. Bow down and worship me. I'll give you whatever you ask. <laughs> you know, I think that was, that's kind of an interesting segue to how, how you just uh, described the um, the way that Satan tempted him. Like he tempted him directly with suicide. Mm-hmm. He directed him with all these. All of the flesh, things the of the flesh. Flesh, But I don't know why that one in the... The suicide just stuck out to me because I never heard someone just put it so plainly like that. Well, he, but it's true. I mean, that's yeah. He, he said, t- "Jump off the cliff," and you know, surely... the top of the temple. Oh, he sorry, sorry. The highest point of the temple, and he that's said, right. "Jump off." And sorry, I'm getting the two mixed up. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, still, he, he wanted him to take his own life, and I think the reason why he was trying to do that is, he, so I've heard. I think Heiser might even say it. He talks about how he wasn't sure about Jesus was. Satan wasn't sure Testing if Jesus him. was really the Messiah or not. Um, I don't know about that because when I look at the demons in Scripture when they recognize Jesus, you know, I was literally just looking at mm-hmm. Luke chapter 7. They were demon-possessed boy or whatever, and they they call him the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, Son of Man, have mercy on us. You know, um, and then they cast him into the pigs. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the same one. And... uh isn't it ironic that uh, the we know demons are the, the disembodied spirits of the giants, right? Like that's mm-hmm. we've all we all are in agreement with that here, and uh, which for me was a mind blower, yeah. you know, when I realized that. But um, I think it's Ryan Peterson mm-hmm. talks about how when God judged the earth in Genesis through Noah, uh, he drowned a, a lot of these giants. They were drowned, and when Satan, when Jesus puts the demons into the pigs, they run off a cliff into water and drown. Mm-hmm. And it's like uh, it's like a revisitation of being judged again by God where they drown and their spirits are then released out of the pigs, you know, into the air. Yeah, you know, what's interesting about that, uh, I don't know if this is, I'm rehashing something that we've already talked about, but uh, the fact that they also... Um, don't they make a plea to not send us to Abaddon, like where our fathers were? Yeah. Is that the same uh, story where they say, Let me pull it up. You know, have mercy on us to. 
I got to find it. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> but basically the whole idea is that uh, the point I'm getting at, and this is not an original thought, was they recognized Jesus. And they knew because they were not like the original watchers. You know, the, the original watchers were down in Tataria, you know, where they're held captive, right? Until, you know, they get released during the... Uh, Events of Revelation, of the apocalypse, right? All the worst of the worst come out. Yeah, Ab- Abaddon. Ab- Abaddon, yeah, yeah. sorry. Um, but if you, it, yeah, I'm interested because I, I feel like, do you find it? Yeah. Read. Um, it's so dark, I need light. It says, uh, hold on. <laughs> I got light right here. Uh, my back. <laughs> oh, my back is so roasted right now. Uh all right. By the way, we uh, we are recording this time in a very dark. We turn out like all the big <laughs> lights that we normally have. We could light our candles if we yeah. want. Yeah, we're just vibing. It says uh, when Jesus arrived at the other side, and the re- this is Matthew eight twenty eight. It says when we arrived when he arrived on the other side of the region of Gardenias, two demon possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they're recognizing it. And uh, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? So that was actually what they asked him. And uh, some distance from them, a large herd of pigs were feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into that herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out, went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed into steep bank into a lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off into the town and reported all the all of this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. When the whole town had went out to meet Jesus, then they saw him. They pleaded with him to leave their region. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, they pleaded him. It's the appointed time, which is going to be judgment. That's the interesting. Yeah, the appointed time. So, and that's the same guy that was like cutting himself, right? And, uh, in the other Matthew's gospel doesn't really get into it too much, but it was two demon possessed men. Interesting. The, the one in the tombs was a different guy. It was a single guy that was uh, okay. Sorry, I'm conflating the two. Yeah, I mean, there's many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many demonic experiences with Jesus. Yeah. But the demons knew. So this is why I don't. The reason why I was saying that I don't know if Satan was actually testing Jesus to see if he was the Messiah. I think he knew he was the Messiah. Mm. Some people say they don't. They think that Satan didn't think that Jesus was the Messiah, and that's why he came to him to test him hmm. and attempt him. And I think he knew he was because the demons knew he was, right? Well, which one comes first? Which one happened first? Well, I mean... The story you just read or... Satan preceded the demons because the demons came out of Nephilim, which were after the fallen angels. No, no, no. I mean, that story that you just read about the demon-possessed men... Oh, and the temptation? That happens... The temptation's pretty early on in the Gospels because um, it's chapter 4 of Matthew is the temptation of Jesus. So, so I'm saying... But was that, was that like, Satan himself? What was that? Or was that just a demon, like, tempting him? As um, pretty I mean, sure that was the... The Satan, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, everything I've ever heard about the story in Matthew chapter 4 is that it was Satan comes to him. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because I think... Uh, well, no, I was just trying to uh, line it up. The reason I asked of which one preceded which one was Satan could have not known at that time. And then, you know, the other 
the demons could have known later on because he's already started his ministry. Revealed himself to be. Just yeah, that, possibly. Yeah. I mean, so this is another thing about Ryan Peterson. He was one of our guests on the regular podcast. He says that the that um, in the Old Testament, whenever there was giants that were dealt with for Israel, it was always the angel of the Lord, which would be Jesus himself. Hmm. So, mm-hmm. so the pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus on earth as the angel of the Lord defeating the giants for the sake of Israel, basically cleansing the land, they would know him. Hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was the one that killed him originally. <laughs> right, yeah. They met him on the field of battle and lost. That's interesting. Dude, that must have been so cool <laughs> <laughs> and terrifying, but just so cool to see, like, to be a person there witnessing that happen. Mm-hmm. Oh. Must have been amazing. Yeah. I mean, the reality of things... And the way that they happen, I think, like what you were saying, if we could just have our eyes just see through and through the veil that hides them right now of the spirit realm, what would we mm-hmm. see? Mm-hmm. What yeah. what what would we behold? You know? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it gives me like a respect of. Uh, I just have this image because I was going to say how many times that like that we're protected and we have no idea how close we were to uh, something. Right. You know what I mean? I just have like this image immediately when you're saying that flash of like, uh, I think you, were you telling me that story of uh, what I was going to say, sorry, I'm rambling on, but just this idea, uh, this image behind me of like, you know, these 10, like nine foot Right, huge buff angels, just like you know, st- like bodyguards protecting me <laughs> from like something that's coming behind me that I have no idea about. Right, and I'll have, and I will never have any idea, maybe in this life, of what could happen to us. So this, just this idea of protection. Yeah. Of mm-hmm. How and not that angels. I, I'm not going to pretend to. Never mind. I'm not, I'm not even going to go to that whole uh, rabbit hole, but. Um. Yeah, so I was going to say the uh, – should I – you want me to tell a story now? Yeah, sure. So I was going to say I'll start off with the uh, this – so many people don't know. I, I, I think I might have referenced it on the podcast before um, in podcasts that I, I've been dealing with like spiritual just attacks like for – that started on, you know, like uh, – Looking back now and kind of not diving back into this stuff, but uh, becoming more aware of a lot of it, uh, it uh, it turns out that it like happened a lot earlier than I thought. You know what I mean? Like I basically when we started this podcast, we started having some like crazy things happen right away. It seemed like, and I was kind of like, oh, where did all this stuff come from? And then kind of you know not diving more into this stuff, but just becoming more aware and maybe becoming more of a threat towards, I don't know, that sounds very pretentious to say, but, uh, you know, I, I'll say the more that I, I, that I personally have been drawing closer to God mm. in my own life and, you know, whatever, it seems like the stuff kind of ramped up, but it, uh, it was really funny. So like the, the, the kind of the start of all this stuff happened, uh, I remember the, the first incident that I ever had with a real spiritual one. 
And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people that have been listening know, like, you know, I'm in recovery, right, from uh, June will be 12 years of, you know, no drugs and alcohol, everything free. Good job, brother. Thanks, man. Hopefully I'll make it then. But <laughs> we, we never uh, we never congratulate people on times of sobriety because they'll say, like, right. inevitably when you start celebrating early, like, you'll go get drunk or something. But, right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it, it was funny, the house that uh, we moved uh, back to the United States, we were done moving overseas. Um, basically, my first incident that I had, you know, I used to do a lot of uh, – my drugs of choice were hallucinogens back in uh, the high school days and college. Yeah. And uh, so that's why <laughs> I've kind of alluded to it on some of those things where I'm like, trust me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like these things are, these are portals to, to demons and they open up all this stuff. I've experienced that. And I had this incident. I remember early on in high school and, uh, I saw this, uh, I was tripping super hard. And, uh, you know, it was like the end of the day. It was like a school night. I had to come back home. And I'll spare some of the details because they don't matter. And I'm even I'm not going to go into them. But basically I had this demon that came and uh, was talking to me uh, during the middle of like this trip or whatever. You know, and he was Whoa. saying all these things. I think I've told you that before. Like he, I don't you know, remember that. Appeared in my room and... Uh, Basically, the thing was, he told me, like, you need to go kill yourself. And I was like, yeah, all right, that sounds like a great idea. And all this stuff happened, and, uh, you know, I, screw it. I've said this stuff in meetings. I, I feel good. And uh, so my mom was having this Tupperware party. She never has these. This is, this is kind of dating myself. She had some, or like a Mary Kay right. thing yeah, downstairs. Yeah. Literally has never, like, she's never hosted <laughs> one before, and she's never hosted one after. <laughs> I guarantee you she's never hosted one after then. I have a feeling I know what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I came to, and uh, the steam thing was just like, hey, man, you should probably go kill yourself. That sounds like a really good idea. And I was like, all right, yeah, sounds like a good idea. So I go downstairs and um, walk down, walk past all these women, you know, middle-aged women and my mom, and they all just start like, <gasps> like that kind of noise. And uh, I walked into the kitchen, grabbed this big knife because that was the only thing I could think of. My dad started just running in. They're like, Ross, blah, 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 blah. you know, get in here. How are you? you know, get in. And my dad comes and he grabs me. I was naked, <laughs> naked. So because I, I just thought <laughs> it would be a good high. idea. Completely out of my mind. And they uh, took me to uh, took me to the hospital because I was just freaking out, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, no, this demon told me I should kill myself. So I always – so that was like the first real tangible event that I ever had. That was fine. Obviously, I didn't kill myself, um, but that was the first like super tangible event that I had that I remember. That was like I remember, you know, sitting there uh, tr- just looking at the ceiling fan for like an hour or two, <laughs> you know, coming down. And then I sit <laughs> up, and there's this demon, and I wasn't scared. Hmm. And I remember just uh, I couldn't, I can't describe it because, uh, but I just knew that it like wanted to do me harm. Yeah, and I used to tell this story about. Uh, prior to like really getting closer with God, you know, you know, even over sobriety. But, uh, I always just summed it up to like, I was freaking out of my mind. Cause I was out of my mind. Like other than that one trip, I was just crazy back then doing all just years of intense psychedelic use and other drugs and alcohol and all that stuff. Yeah. And, uh, 
So anyway, uh, you know, uh, this stuff starts happening when we're kind of coincide with like when we're doing the podcast. And I remember I was telling my sister, I was asking her, I'm like, hey, do you remember uh, this incident that I think I told you about back when it happened? Um, she was like, yeah, you know, she she was much more in tune than I want to say. Like I she's more spiritually and probably mature than I am. And uh, she was like, yeah, that house was like super crazy, huh? There's all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that wasn't me like. <laughs> I thought I was tripping, and she was like, "No, nah, there's stuff there all the time, you know, like stuff." So entities. So, looking back now, I don't know what it was about that house, but there was always stuff, and there's been more stuff that happened there, you know, when I moved back years later. But uh, that was my first like real eye-opening uh, ex- mm. experiment, and that I, you know, maybe that that's the uh, the interesting thing. I was listening to this other. Uh, interview uh with someone later on uh or something completely unrelated and they were talking about uh uh, schizophrenia and demonic possession and uh one of the things that they this uh, psychiatrist was talking about he worked on like a psychiatry ward that dealt with schizophrenics who were like outwardly violent it was like uh i want to say it was associated with like a jail or something like that a prison and he he said you know like whenever uh, they would try to give these uh, patients uh, drugs, you know like schizo to help them with schi- like they had schizophrenia, and uh, you know like a chemical imbalance. And he would say that like they would always fight back because they would say, "No, the voices told me I shouldn't take them because then they'll go away." Mm-hmm. And they had an aversion to. Uh, the church like they had like a little chapel in there and whenever like the priest would come and like you know have a party for all of them and bring cake which they weren't allowed to have cake these these particular like the schizophrenic patients did not like it because they didn't like the pastor or the priest and uh he said the other thing that happens with uh which is different when he thinks and i'm not saying this across the board and he wasn't either but he said that there's many times um he, he basically his belief was that uh, demons can kind of use mental ill like people who are not uh, who may have like a genuine mental. And I'm not yeah. saying I'm I'm trying. Let me just say I do believe that there that mental illness is not. I'm not trying to say that every single mental illness is a demon and like right, you right. just pray hard enough and you'll be fine. There are chemical imbalances. I'm not saying that. Right, but he right. said he saw this. Uh, coincidence with a lot of people who had schizophrenia also had these particular demonic things that were always attached to them because a normal person that's schizophrenic wouldn't really the voices why would they care if they go to like talk to the priest right on the psych right, ward right why would it say <clears throat> and the biggest thing is they said it, they always want to hurt these people it was never like a voice they would tell him like, "Hey, you're the best person ever." There's right. always like these very sp- particular ones. So we just don't know what they were saying early on, right? To get them to believe the voice, right? But Maybe I was just saying were. it's interesting, and you know, just from yeah. my experience of that and hearing other stuff like that, yeah, that's a long way to go back to. It, it struck me when you just brought up the point that Satan tempted Jesus, or one of the ways he said was to commit suicide. So. Mm. I think that that's a, uh, they want to destroy us, you know? Oh, a hundred percent. That's, that's kind of, sorry, but yeah. that's, a uh, that's really interesting. It kind of reminds me of the, the one 
demon that was uh, possessing the boy and kept trying to throw him into the fire. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, cutting himself. Because and- it's it reminds me so much of very, very intense, um, yeah, um, conditions, mental conditions that are extremely detrimental. And, um, I mean, you think of, like, extreme cases of autism where – their parents are like, I would not wish this on anyone. Mm-hmm. And I just want my child to be free of it. You know, like there's very much an extreme element to it that sometimes almost feels like um, it's just not them. You know, it's just another, it's another person. But I do agree with you, Rosie, where it's not every single mental illness is a demon. However, with, um, if you think of like generational traumas and if you think of especially substance abuse that kind of coincides with that trauma and you have, I mean, we, we know physically we can, I mean, this is, we can read studies on this where physical traumas and emotional stress is actually carried in the body. Mm -hmm. Um, You have, you know, emotional trauma and stress carried in your connective tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I have stress going on, it affects my unborn baby, that kind of thing, where it's, you can tangibly feel it in the body. Now, when you add the spiritual layer on top of that, and let's say, you know, a lot of um, promiscuity and soul ties, or you have mm-hmm. witchcraft, you have, um, you know, the occult practices, things like that, um, not to say that family curses can hold <laughs> any more power than, you know, the believers will continue to allow them. But, I mean, sometimes you're just not aware of the things that are passed down. Right. And I think that sometimes with the right environment, that can facilitate <laughs> a lot of demonic oppression. Mm-hmm. Not, not so much possession, but just a lot of spiritual darkness and um, definitely in concentrated areas as well um, maybe where dark things have happened in the past um i haven't told you guys this but andrew used to live in aldi um he used to live right by the um, roundabout where there's this really old sketchy looking white house Mm -hmm. and that that white house has been around since the 1700s and um george washington and his men stayed there because it, it was like a hostel of some kind. Hmm. And his parents uh, lived there and rented it back in the 90s. And they lived, I think, in the upstairs. And then the downstairs, they ran their basket shop. And so they're doing like a lot of imports and stuff. But his sisters <laughs> have said that they thought it was haunted. Hmm. And he's had some seriously scary um, just feelings and the sense of presence and like he he remembers distinctly times when he was like uh, I'm not alone in this room mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. just think about like a, a place um, where there's been a lot of traffic through there and a lot of probably dark things going on um, just because it's a very transitory place but I mean if you think about the people who are intentionally trying to bring darkness and then, you know, if you think about their children or if you think about their family or the people who are surrounding them or the people who have those soul ties and they're connected, 
I totally think that that could be impacting mental conditions and illnesses. And I really do believe that spiritual oppression can, um, especially having experienced um, anxiety and depression and having a voice in my head for a long time. um, Yeah, it said nothing but horrible things to me. Mm -hmm. And it took so long for me to not have that voice. In fact, it was, it's been years, you know, that I remember having it. And then I have to actively speak against it. And if I'm not in the word, I'm definitely, you know, feeling more at prey to it. But, but yeah, like if you have someone who doesn't know the Lord, it's going to be so much more intense. Like you're not going to have that level of awareness that this is something that is beyond me, you know? And then you add on to that, you know, deficiencies and mineral imbalances and just like so much physical elements too that can add on to that. And yeah, it's a scary place to be. Yeah. I should probably say that if you hear little kids in the background, <laughs> they can't hear our conversation because Rachel has headphones on. So if you're concerned about hearing kids, oh, can you hear them? A little yeah. bit, not much, but I just, you know, I know I'm thinking of like a concerned mom that's listening to this, like, how dare them talk about this in in front of kids? This is not appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Her kids are fine. <laughs> they're not. They're not sitting on her lap. Right. While yeah. She's telling them. They're in a different room. And no, all they, the other, yeah. they can't hear anything. Yeah. Um, no, you're exactly right, Rachel. And I think to both of your guys' points, when you think about it, when did Satan come after to tempt Jesus? When he was weak, mm-hmm. in his weakness, after mm-hmm. he had not been eating, he had been by himself, isolated for 40 days in the desert, literally. Mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think about weakness and brokenness. When someone is broken, when they've been through trauma, maybe they've been molested or raped, or maybe they've been you know, abused by a parent or somebody physically or just um, in their mind even. Um, that is a possibility of an open door, mm-hmm. you know, where the enemy sees a weakness, he's going to take advantage as much as possible. Now, I don't want to cause fear into anybody that's listening and because if they think, oh, man, well, I was in, you know, I have, I experienced trauma. I I have this thing in my past. Does that mean Satan's attached to it and I have a demon? No, I'm not at all stating that. But what I am saying is that in the scriptures, and in particular when you notice how they operate, it's like, for instance, Mary Magdalene. When Jesus rose from the dead, he sees her, he drives out seven demons Hmm. from her. And Mary Magdalene was a known prostitute. So is that something to do with soul ties? Yeah, I think so. I think think you could point towards that. Um, so, uh, you know, not, I can't really prove these things, but, but scripture seems to indicate that mm-hmm. when, when you're healthy and strong and you're in a good place, like Rachel was saying, when I'm in the word, I'm filling my spirit up with God's word and his truth and I'm living by faith and I'm not living by sight and, um, and I'm actually physically taking care of myself. I'm eating right. I'm getting some exercise. I'm not being lazy, um, getting enough sleep. It's a lot harder for um an individual in that condition to be used or taken advantage of by the enemy in an in a in a real nefarious way i I, that's just my opinion i'm not a demonologist Mm -hmm. i can't i can't say for sure but um and then generationally I, i always struggled with this concept of generational spirits and things like that because 
you know, I got saved out of a alcoholic family. Like both of my grandparents on my dad's side died from alcoholism. My grandmother died before I was born. My grandfather died when I was in high school. My dad was an alcoholic. Um, multiple family members are or were alcoholics. And when I was, before I was saved, I was an alcoholic, you know. Um, when I was delivered, you know, I was delivered from both drugs and alcohol and sexual addiction at my salvation. It was just a miraculous thing that happened. And I'm thankful. God knew how weak I was. Yeah. Honestly, he just did the hard work for me. Yeah. And um, But, you know, I wish that for everybody. But when it's in your family and then you become a Christian, that we're told that those ties are broken. Like, they no longer have that rule or authority over you. The thing is, is they don't always let you know. <laughs> and they don't want you to know. And so if you don't know, and you conti- and they continue to put the temptations in front of you and the, the lay the groundwork in front of you to cause you to fall into the trap, and you don't resist it, then you'll walk in bondage once again, even though you're saved, you know? And um, I don't, that's the only way I can describe it, because yeah. you know I could easily become an alcoholic if I if if I decided to let the the day's troubles get into my head and think that I could comfort myself with a bottle or whatever, you know, um, if I could medicate myself, you know, <laughs> I could easily fall back into that if if I wanted to, but it would be my choice. At this point, it would be my choice. Um, Whereas before I was saved, I would say I was enslaved to it. I was a bondage in bondage to it, um, and it was literally it it owned me. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Man, <clears throat> it's really weird. Like the spirit world, and I, I don't know what I was watching. I think it was Twitter, maybe it was YouTube. I can't. There was something I saw where they were like, man. Was it you and I were talking about it, Rosie? About that, there was a somebody that had a video or something of like all of the, like they're comp, they did a compilation of all these people who were experiencing demon possessions, and they yeah. caught them on video, just around the world recently, like on a subway and in a restaurant and oh, out on the street. Was and, was that the uh, scariest movie ever? Was it? Yes, that's what it was. Yeah, I can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, What's that guy's name? I can't. Uh, is it Titus? KJ. KJ. That's K- what it is. Yeah. KJ. Yeah, so he did like a video, and, and basically he was just he was just it was like an hour long of right. like news and, clips, yeah, uh, like clips that people post online. Yeah, and I couldn't watch the whole thing because it was yeah. just it's hard to yeah. watch someone who's who is demon possessed or demonized going through that and out of control and the weird voices. Um, you know, when I first got saved, I was saved into a charismatic church. And um, they practiced all the gifts, you know, um, deliverance ministries and prophetic ministries and, you know, all of these things. And in some ways, I'm really glad that I was experienced that in, as when I first became a Christian because... It can't get any crazier than that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and I did end up leaving that church because it got kind of crazy um, I felt like they moved outside the the bounds of scripture on a cert- a few things, and um, it was unfortunate. But um, but I did learn the realities of the spiritual realm in a big way because they took it very seriously. Mm-hmm. They didn't play with it, 
but they took it very seriously. And I still remember, I think I shared the story with you once. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, if you don't mind, I'll share it, Rachel. That's what we're here um, for. We're, t- tell okay. them, we're telling, <laughs> we're trying to like, we want to tell stories the real, and then uh, throw yeah. stuff on top. But Yeah. And it's just an experience. So yeah. people listening to it can either throw it away or tell me I'm bat crazy or whatever. I don't care. Uh, this is what happened. I'll just tell you what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not affirming it. I'm just saying this is what happened. Mm-hmm. So I used when I got saved, my, my salvation story, and maybe maybe on one episode you and I can share our stories like mm-hmm. you know like that. But I was going to a small Wednesday night Bible study, and we would have a time of worship. And the worship leader of the church I was going to, a small church, maybe 400 people, and uh, we were he was the leader of the small group that I went to. And he was kind of discipling me. Um, I was really fortunate to have a man like that, you know, speaking into my life. And uh, we were singing the songs, and there was this guy sitting next to me, very big guy, heavy dude, probably 300 pounds, just a big dude. He was older, probably in his 40s, early 40s. Um, he starts to growl and make weird noises during the songs, but everyone was singing real loud. There was probably... Like, I don't know, there's probably like 20 of us in there. And um, and so it was loud, and it was in his house in the basement. He was a pretty wealthy guy. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, uh, he's like convulsing and shaking. And so the music stops, and people are like interceding in tongues and stuff. And they we gather around him, and uh, we start praying for this guy. And he's he starts to like, com- like squirm, and he falls down onto the ground and he's like convulsing and very like weird his voice was changing all kinds of weird stuff like that and at one point we get him back up in the chair and he's like going in and out of like consciousness i don't know how to describe it like sometimes he'd be like aware and then he would like like his eyes would just get black and then one time he just started speaking in italian (laughs) and he was just like Cursing God in Italian. So we, we can confirm that all Italians are demons. <laughs> that that is the language of Satan. No, it geez. is Italian. <laughs> it's a me, a Mario. Confirmed. Mario it's a, is a Nephilim. Mary, Mario, Mary, Mar, Mario Nephilim. <laughs> demons confirmed. Lucifer. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I just love how you said that. You're like, he, he was convulsing and he was speaking in Italian. <laughs> Well, here's the crazy thing. I know. He didn't know Italian. Right. He was Italian. Was he just saying, hey, prosciutto, mamma mia, di pasta? I don't know what he was saying, but I know he was cursing God. That's what we heard. So, And he was sweating like crazy. And you can imagine a big guy, 300 pounds, sweating. And at one point, he got so mad. And he started to, like, growl at us and jerk his head around. He was looking at us. And he would, like, point point at people and just, like, say, Jesus is not alive. Jesus, is, you call on Jesus. He's not. And he was like saying all these things. And he got so mad he wanted to get out of there. And so he stood up and he ran forward and he hit the wall. He like we were in a basement, so there's no way he could have like busted through because there was like con- it was like concrete behind drywall. But he put a a body sized hole in the wall from his body, like on the cartoons. Like Looney Tunes. Yes. Like running through. <laughs> it was like poof. And so all the drywall like broke and then. And then they like fell backwards, and everybody screamed, and uh, and they just for like an hour we just prayed over this guy. We were anointing him with oil, and we were praying in tongues and praying for him. And some people left because they were scared, and um, 
And when the guy f- finally, he like, I don't know, I don't know if we cast the demons out of him or not because I just was such a baby Christian. I don't know everything that was happening, but there wasn't a chance I was leaving. I'm like, dude, this is yeah. this is it, man. This is my new reality, man. I'm in this war mm-hmm. all the way to heaven, and he he kind of like wore out. He was exhausted. It, it felt like he'd been in this wrestling match. He said, and. He, we were like, why? What were you saying in Italian? When did you learn Italian? He goes, I don't know Italian. What are you talking about? And we're like, oh. So his wife's like, that's that generational spirit. Mm. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know what happened. Unfortunately, in their story, his marriage broke down. He had an affair later on. This is years later, and um, you know, I don't know whatever happened to him, but obviously something was there mm-hmm. that had a hold. And he wasn't resisting it necessarily on his own. And so it had a foothold, Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And I still don't know where I stand on Christians and demons. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for a long time I was convinced, utterly convinced, that there's no possible way a, a Christian can have a demon inside them. And I still believe that. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that they can't have them around them. Mm-hmm. And what are the depths of that? What does that look like? Because Paul writes... I believe it's in Philippians or Ephesians. He talks about never give the devil a foothold. He talks about unforgiveness, and he talks about certain particular sins that actually give the devil a foothold. Mm-hmm. So what does mm-hmm. that mean? Is it like a tree where he puts his foot and he's climbing and he can cling on and hold on? He's not inside the tree, but he's kind of attached to it. Mm-hmm. Is that what that means? Is that the? Is that what's happening for Christians with demons? Uh, that are in rebellion and sinfulness and refuse to repent or well if you're living with if you're living in in absolute like contrast or you're living contrary to what the spirit indwelling you is supposed to look like like hypocrite obviously no if you if you're living out even if you're just saying with your mouth, like, yeah, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, but you're not actually like living with the fruit of the spirit in you. And if you're living in unforgiveness, which we are supposed to forgive as others have we've, as we've been forgiven, we're supposed to be, you know, essentially walking as Jesus walked in the way that he um, lived out that example. But I mean, if you're living in, in contrary, if you're living your life contrary to what the word of God is saying, and you're also not, you do not have the fruit of the spirit. Like, of course, we don't know the status of somebody who says they're a Christian, but isn't living Mm -hmm. that way. We can just see the fruit. And if the fruit is not there, is the spirit there? I don't Mm -hmm. know. Like only God can know that. And if the, if the fruit isn't there and they're suddenly like living as if, um, like you were saying, like as if there is spiritual oppression going on. Like, how can we know when somebody has the spirit indwelling them by the fruit, by the way that they live, by their the way that confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, like, mm-hmm. but also by the way that you live. So, I mean, it is a little bit gray, but I I will say I have a family member who is very um carries a lot of bitterness and has a lot of unforgiveness in um their heart but one thing that i find really interesting about their interests is that it's all um mysticism Mm. it's new age it is 
um, deconstructionist um, mm -hmm. movements that are very embracing of you know other spiritual entities <laughs> right. and um, extra extraterrestrials very mm -hmm. very like anything that's otherworldly while also simultaneously saying that there isn't a God, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, so it's really interesting that those two things are going hand in hand in this particular situation where, uh, you know, they have admittedly either plagued with a lot of um, just like unforgiveness and hatred and the way that they live is very bitter, but, and their interests are all like, really really bizarre spiritualism that is just it's all exploring the otherworldly it's exploring the spiritual realm and they just don't know it you know um so it's really interesting mm. it's just a personal example of somebody that i do know but yeah you know it got me thinking um about uh you know much in the same way it's uh <clears throat> i don't know maybe uh here's another uh uh, little story. Um, I don't know if I fully shared this either with any of you guys, but uh, mm -hmm. it was interesting. So I was uh, uh, basically the whole story is it, it, looking back now. Um, so you know, it, you know, I, I I got sober in 2010, um, but before that, uh, I would say that I was a Christian. I do believe I was saved. Um, you know, I, I had no, um, I was not in, <laughs> I don't want to say an active rebellion against God. Um, because I always knew, like, I, I, I say, I say not an active rebellion while also I realized I was an active rebellion, <laughs> but it wasn't like, uh, something that I was cursing God or anything. It was just more so, uh, I didn't care. But I, I always knew hmm. that. So it, 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 I'm still trying to like not get into whole other rabbit trails. But I wasn't worshiping, you know, uh, uh, I was not trying to contact aliens. I wasn't working, you know, using a Ouija board. I wasn't into New Age stuff. I was, uh, my, my Christian beliefs were orthodox. <laughs> you know, they were, uh, I didn't have any wacky Christian spiritual beliefs. You know, I, I was saved you know yeah. um went to good churches and uh so i was gonna say at the same time this is in uh uh i'm trying to think eh, whatever i'll say it I, I went to liberty for a semester and a half the first time right after i graduated high school and because uh, <laughs> my parents sent me there because they're like uh, you probably won't get into too much trouble there at uh, Liberty University. That good Christian school. The good Liberty. Christian school. Right. Uh, good conservative Christian school. And the thing is, you know, I, I laugh because I, my religious beliefs line up with what, you know, pretty much what they were believe, you know. Um, my con political beliefs right, <laughs> lined right. up with, I was, I've always been conservative, you know, like that right wing. And uh, at the same time, you know, literally first day on campus, run into a guy from high school, boom, boom, boom. And it just got worse, you know. So uh, there's a very dark underside to liberty that a lot of people don't Well, do. every Christian college. Yeah. The thing is, is if you want it, you can find it. Right, right, right. Yeah. And uh, so I, I just prefaced that to say um, it's interesting what you were talking about, kind of looking at my own life. And so I'll get into the story. So, you know, uh, 
meet this guy. We start uh, just active. Uh, he introduced me to a, like a whole level. You know, I went from uh, you know in high school up here. I'll, I'll say a uh, you know a bachelor's degree in degeneracy with you know <laughs> drugs, alcohol, that kind of stuff. Uh, I reached you know like met this dude, introduced me to like this whole other world of uh, craziness. Yeah, and uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you guys are, sorry. Uh, so the uh, so I met you know I, I step up to like you know like maybe like a master's degree or something like that in a degeneracy. Am I missing something? No, no, man. Just go ahead and tell your story. You can read it when you're not talking. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, they're they're having a conversation around me, and I'm like not sure if I'm supposed to be reading this or not. No. Um, anyway, sorry. Don't mean to get sidetracked. So. Uh, meet up with this guy. We get, you know, super into, uh, the drugs, alcohol, all the degeneracy stuff. And, uh, I leave college, uh, go to a couple treatment centers, go get sober the first time and, uh, reconnect with these guys. When I moved back, you know, moved away from, uh, Northern Virginia, the Lynchburg area, all that moved back. And these guys had all, uh, uh, moved into this house and, uh, this house was, Oh, I remember Just the story, yeah. Ridiculously crazy. Uh they got it ridiculously cheap and uh when the guy I'll spare all the stories but you know like the the first day they walk in like there's a Ouija board in a closet without a box. And you know all this crazy stuff. There's these weird uh the, the layout of the house was in like a circle. You couldn't walk. You had to go through other rooms to get to other rooms. It was very confusing, and they had all these little. Uh, the house was super old, like built in the 1800s, and it had like these weird little doors, like in hallways, and like up the stairs that like normal people couldn't fit, and it, they weren't big enough to store stuff. It was just like all these really weird doors. The entryways the whole house was just so weird and uh the biggest thing was these these guys uh the realtor told him like you cannot go into the basement we're just going to leave it locked up and, <laughs> yeah i never told you this rachel yeah so they they go in and, and uh basically they put up with all this stuff because they're like the rent's like a thousand bucks a month and there's like four of them living there they're like this is whatever we'll put up with all the craziness and um so yeah, the uh, the one like term of the lease was you cannot go in the basement. I swear to God, I swear on everything that I'm not making this up. That is 100% genuine. I know this sounds like a horror movie, but they the basement they could not go in the basement. It was boarded up from the inside. Um, it had a little window you could kind of look in through outside. Like, you know, you could go on the outside and kind of look through. There was a window to the basement, boarded up on the inside. Um, and there was three huge locks on the door to the basement in this house when they went in three and they locks. said, do not, you cannot go into this house basement. They asked neighbors about it and the neighbors were like, basically, I don't even want to talk to you if you're living in that house. It was very weird. Um, I personally had gone, we would hear banging from the basement on the, like up through the living room was situated on top of the basement, like the floor plan. You would hear banging coming from the basement. You would hear people just talking 
when no one was there, like straight up. Um, one of my, my roommate from my first semester, you know, basically I left second semester. Uh, he had, you know, this whole thing. I got sober. He didn't know anybody else. So he basically lived with all my friends. He was the nicest guy ever. He was like a good Christian guy, like a very straight laced Liberty student living in this house of debauchery, you know, <laughs> and, uh, he would just sit there and he just pray the whole time. <laughs> but, uh, I remember we would sit there and like the TV would just start turning on and off and changing channels. And he, his name was, uh, call him JR. And he would sit there and he would just go like, I'm like, dude, what is happening with the TV? And he's like, oh, it's just a demon. And he'd be, and he just commanded, he's like, in Jesus name, change back to the channel I was watching. And he would just go back. And I'm like, you just do that? And he's like, I just have to pray, man. I don't know what else to do. So he would just like this. The lights would go. We, I witnessed like poltergeist type stuff. The oven would just slam open. The kitchen cupboards, there wasn't a lot of food because it was like this. College dudes. Yeah, not even college dudes. Right. Like crazy drugs that were being oh, right. done there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, things being thrown across the, the room, all this crazy stuff we saw. They had two dogs. Both of them died. Mm. Puppies living in the house. Just craziness. So it's one of those things that like, and I got so many stories about that house. Um, but it's one of those things that it, you just got me thinking about. Did you ever uh, go to the basement? They eventually did like the last day of their lease. What'd they find? So. Uh, <laughs> you can't you can't not tell us what they found. You got to tell us what they so found. It had, <laughs> I, I swear to God, because they, they uh, I remember they uploaded it and we were uh, on Facebook. I wish I still had like old access to this old Facebook account with all <laughs> these guys because they were posting pictures. It was like a year long thing. And I was going down like every weekend. Uh, to pick up drugs and stuff like that and bring them back up here, but uh, and just party. Um, but uh, so they went down. It was a dirt floor. The entire basement was dirt floor. Okay. They remember there was this huge chain tied up to like a pill, like this a post post in the middle of the room. Okay. And it was thick, like the chains were not like <laughs> thick. Chain. They were huge. <laughs> these like oversized chains, like to hold a nephilim. Yeah, basically. And the door had scratch marks, like, on the top half of it. Jeez. So it wasn't like a dog. They don't know what it was. And then they said the weirdest thing, though, that freaked them out, there's a bunch of wrapped, unopened Christmas gifts in one corner of the room. Ooh. That's and so they weird. never opened them, and they just freaked out. And they're like, we don't need to be in here. But Krampus. I don't know what remember, was going on. <laughs> yeah, remember the, <laughs> but, but I brought other dude. I brought other people to the house. Didn't tell them about it. Like, oh, gee, I, I wouldn't tell them about. It. I was just like, hey, we're gonna go down. We're gonna party and all that. They stuff. just thought the drugs were really good. The drugs were good, <laughs> and uh, you know we'd go down and hang out and all stuff. Go other places. Dude, your oven is like opening and closing. Yeah, man. this is well, so great. And it was always because I, my thing was was like all these guys were professed to be Christians as well. Like, other than JR, right. who was, like, legit not doing drugs and right, stuff. Right, right. Just found himself in a really bad place. And none of them actually ever got possessed. But it was just all this real craziness that oh, I think was brought in by all the debauchery that was going on in this house or whatever, the generational thing of yeah. whatever happened in the house. But I would bring friends from up here down there 
and wouldn't tell him about stuff. And then on the drive home was like, because, uh, you know, it's like a three-hour drive home. Like midway, I was like, so, uh, you notice anything ever, anything crazy happened at that house? <laughs> and he was like, oh, my God, dude. Yeah, I, like, heard banging coming from the floor. I thought, but none of you guys were freaking out about it. So I thought I was just, like, super messed up. They're <laughs> like, I tried to take a shower. I'd hear people. I'd see, like, figures on the outside of the curtain. Like, uh-huh. they had this old-timey bathtub that yeah, had, yeah. like, a shower. You know, like, yeah. the one. With the claw with the, feet. With the claw feet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, we'd see, sh- like, literal shampoo bottles. Like, so the bathroom went into the kitchen. Oh, and the kitchen went to the living room. So we would see, like. I literally saw from all of us in the house were sitting watching TV or something, and this bottle of shampoo just comes flying. It had to be like 50, 60 miles. Like someone had just like pitched it, slam right into the window, break the window, and just explode. Mm. And we would just sit there like, oh, that's weird. Like, <laughs> so all this crazy stuff happened. But uh, that's where you run. Yeah, <laughs> that's the sign that you run and yeah. you never come back. Yeah, they yeah. Leave but, your clothes, leave everything, every possession, and you just get new stuff. Yeah, I know two of those guys are in prison now. <laughs> that oh. makes you feel any better. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> One of them looks like he got possessed the last time I saw his newspaper. But uh, I was just gonna say that it's uh, I've had some. So that was like another crazy experience that yeah. what it stepped up. And I kind of have a progression in the same way of these stories as you did from less believable or, you know, that. Yeah. So it went from like the demon I saw and I was like, this is 100 percent drugs to had these experiences at this house where I was like, I know I'm like really messed up. But there's outside people that don't know about it that, you know, and it, it wasn't just like the people there. There was tons of people knew about it and they would all had these crazy things just happen to them. So. That's my next stage of believable from when I went to, I know this isn't drugs. This is some crazy spiritual stuff that's happening. Yeah. But, uh, how about you want to say the next angel story you have? (laughs) Or if you guys have any, uh, Rachel, do you have anything you wanted to to add into that or? I mean, no, I've, I've lived in houses before where one of the corners of the ceiling was just way too dark for my liking. And Mm. I've had, you know, different places that I've lived where, there was something else in the room and I was laying there and I'm just like, okay, I have to speak out loud, like be gone in Jesus name, like that kind of thing. Um, But I don't have another, any other stories. I know that some of the missionaries that I know Mm -hmm. have had some really insane experiences out in, you know, the the boonies of, uh, you know, uh, Papua New Guinea or Indonesia or yeah. things like that, remote villages where, like, you know that there are spirits walking around. Like, spirits are part of, like, they have witch doctors in every village. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a part of daily life. And it's really sad because sometimes, like, someone will have a health problem or, like, a baby will be born, you know, and looks a little funny. And the witch doctor's like, you have to send the baby out into the middle of the village or in the middle of the woods and leave it there or whatever just like weird beliefs that they have because there is a lot of spiritual oppression and it's like some of it is health related and can be explainable you know in the real world and some of things are happening that are not of this world at all right but also they're being invited in like and you almost like they can't the missionaries who are there have to find a way to 
share the gospel in a way that's tangible and in a way that helps people see the spiritual war going on. Yeah. Um, and it's really crazy. Like it, we don't live with that kind of, uh, realness or that kind of like presence because we're so distanced from it. And a lot of people just don't believe that it's happening anymore, Mm -hmm. you know, where it is so real and a part of daily life for people out in the, you know, the middle of nowhere, hundred percent on remote islands and just third world countries in general. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Haiti, like think about Haiti Mm -hmm. where it's very, very present there. And that's close a lot closer than you know the remote villages of Papua New Guinea or little remote islands and it's it's just crazy that we don't live with that sense of presence and yet it is going on all around us mm-hmm. and we just need to stay sensitive to it because I mean with different things happening like you were saying Rosie like that's like obvious stuff in your face sometimes you just have an off feeling you know in your room or you're you know you're somewhere where you shouldn't be and you've got that just heaviness on you um i think it's good to stay sensitive to that because um if we lose that sensitivity then yeah we are kind of leaving our ourselves open a little bit but also we need to realize that uh, we serve a God who is so much more powerful, and we do have guardian angels. I mean, I believe that 100%. Mm-hmm. I know yes. my guardian angels are probably looking at me like, what are you doing some days? But um, <laughs> I'm glad that they're there, and I'm glad that my my children's angels always see the face of God. I think that's incredible. So. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, James chapter 2, it, it talks about, um, well, it just says in verse 19, it says, you say you have faith. For you believe that there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this, Mm. and they tremble in terror. Mm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and then there's another place in Scripture where the disciples are sent out, and uh, Jesus sends them out, and this is before the crucifixion. I think it's when he sends out the 70. And they go from town to town, and they come back, and they're rejoicing because even the demons, like they've been healing people, they've been, you know, performing miracles at some (laughs) level. And casting out demons, and Jesus rebukes him. He's like, "Don't, don't rejoice because the demons tremble. You know, even at your, your obey you. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, uh, rejoice that the kingdom is advancing. Essentially, mm-hmm. is what he was saying. And mm-hmm. and so it's important for us to keep that in perspective. That that yeah, the demons, they understand who God is. They they clearly know. And we we are the image bearers of God. And as Christians, our image bearing is made complete and we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. So we're marked by God himself and belonging to him. And in the spirit realm, that's very visible. Mm-hmm. Um, even though in the world, in, in the flesh, you may not notice when someone's a Christian, although sometimes you meet someone, mm-hmm. you know, and their spirit is just something about them, and then you find out later that they are a Christian, and mm-hmm. you're just like, hey, I, I thought you might be a believer, you know. Mm-hmm. You, there's something about you, you know. But in the spirit realm, it's probably much more vibrant and more apparent. Mm-hmm. Um, but the power of Jesus' name, even like that story I was telling you guys about with the guy that manifested a demon, like when we would speak Jesus' name and tell them, we would rebu- rebuke the demons in Jesus' name, they would tr- they would like cringe and they would like curl back and like scream even like in pain. Um, they hated the name of Jesus, and uh, because of what what it stands for, the power behind it. But um, 
Yeah, and and I think they're third world countries. Um, I think they see it because they're they're not they don't have the other trappings <laughs> that maybe we have in a first world country of always having a phone in our hand mm-hmm. or a TV on or you know or you're having like a, a complete spiritual experience where bottles are flying through the house because you're while you're watching TV and you just it just happened and it wasn't like a a big deal you know mm-hmm. as you were just talking about you're like oh yeah that happens bottles fly through the you know shampoo bottles fly through the house and crash into windows but we're watching TV you know yeah. um and I think that when, you know, like when I was in Haiti, we could hear at night when we go to bed, we would hear the witch doctors playing their drums. They were trying to curse us, hmm. you know, and we did. We, our whole team got very, very sick. I got the most sick I've ever been. Uh, we had to, they had to actually fly me and another guy out on a different plane because it was like a four hour drive back to the airport from where we were and uh, in Haiti and we couldn't handle the drive. So they had to fly us <laughs> like a missionary emergency. It was some kind of service. <laughs> Yeah. That the church paid for and flew us. It took us like 20 minutes to fly from where we were to the Port-au-Prince, and then we caught our airplane back to Miami. But uh, And everybody on the team got food poisoning. It was like crazy. Oh, no. but, oh, dude, I remember that. Yeah, it was horrible. It was horrible. And I was laughing because I got it first out of anybody. Mm-hmm. And like I was uh, – my sleeping was – I was sleeping on a concrete pad we didn't. We were building a church, and we were building a, a center for Christians. And so there was one house on the property, and that house had a generator for electricity. And uh, then everyone else was sleeping in tents or in these bungalow things that they had. And so we gave all the ladies the bungalows. There was like thirty of us on this trip, and so the guys slept on the pads and in tents. And I had basically a mosquito tent, so I would just climb in on my sleeping bag and, and, and zip up my mosquito tent and lay there and uh it was dark you know because there's no electricity but man when you have a fever and you're sick and your food poisoned you want to die mm-hmm. and there was no there was no toilet mm-hmm. oh man it was the worst oh no it was the worst oh, no. so i had to run from my tent to this makeshift toilet that they had and there was no running oh, no. water mm-hmm. you had a big barrel that you dipped with a with a cup in to take a shower it was like a big 55 gallon drum inside of like a like a tented, like it was like a shower curtain around a, yeah. and uh, there would be tarantulas in there when you'd go in to take a shower and you're like, you're nude, man. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to see a big tarantula with no clothes on, man. That's like the last oh thing God. you want. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I was like, this place, we need to just get them out of here. We've got room in the United States. Just get them all out of here and let's just nuke the island and be done with. But uh, anyways, yeah. So, I was going to say for those who don't know, Haiti was founded in uh Witchcraft. Yeah. Well, they made, uh, they made a, made a pact with Satan. Yeah. The, to, to be freed from the French. Yeah. And they're still not. <laughs> yeah. They kind of did get their independence. But that's the other thing is historically the country. So it it's an island and it the border of it is the uh, Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. And if you look from an airplane, you can see the clear line, <laughs> the borderline between the Dominican Republic yeah. and Dominicans, Haiti. a Christian country. Yeah. And you see Haiti. Haiti says they're a Christian com- country, but they're not. They're they're very pagan, mm-hmm. very, you know, that witchcraft is deep. It's deep. And it just has decimated the whole country. And then after the earthquake, it made it even worse. See, God was trying to clean it. He wasn't going to send a flood to wash them out, but he was going to send an earthquake to... Shake them out. But, you know, Haiti's, <laughs> Haiti's like the most... They have the most missionaries sent to them at any other, any other part of the world. Yeah. Every year. That's because the Clinton Foundation's mm-hmm. trying to 
traffic children out of there. That's a whole other story. <laughs> That's a whole other story. But uh, yeah. yeah. So how about the how about an angel story? Oh, an Let's angel hit story. us up before I hit with All right. uh, some more. This is cool. And if you've heard this before, just bear with me. Um, so, because I can't remember if I've told these stories mm-hmm. or not. But so I was working at that same church where I saw. I thought I might have seen the angel sitting in the front row. So it was a Wednesday night, and we had assignments as pastors, and my assignment was the information booth. And so before service and after service, I had to station myself at this information booth. Actually, that information booth is where I met Rachel uh, on a Sunday morning. Yes. Her first time ever. My very first Sunday there. (laughs) Yeah. So God's providence, man. God uses the information booth. But uh, so I was at the information booth with another pastor, and um, there was a woman on Sunday mornings. She was an elderly woman. She's probably in her late 70s, early 80s now. And she would work at the information booth every Sunday morning. And I happened to be there that Sunday morning as well. And she said to me, Pastor Turner, um, if you happen to hear of anybody, um, I'm looking for a keychain that I I left. My son made it for me. It's a little leather keychain. Uh, my son made it for me when he was young. And so she's like in her 70s. So mm-hmm. he, he's probably in his 50s, you know. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I had it on my Bible cover on the zipper and it fell off in the parking lot somewhere. So if anybody turns it in, please don't throw it away. I was like, okay, cool. And so that was, that was like weeks earlier. And so then on the Wednesday night, it's about nine o'clock. Every, I'm getting ready to shut everything down. And this old man shuffles into the church and it's literally like me and him, mm-hmm. like everyone is got kind of gone. He shuffles into the church. It was like a March, April timeframe. And we had had a lot of snow and everything. And he's like, hey, um, I found this in the parking lot. And I was like, what? And I looked at it, and I didn't remember. And I almost went to throw it in the trash can because mm-hmm. the trash can was right there. And I said, no, you know what? I just opened up the drawer. We had these cabinets. I just opened the drawer, dropped it in the drawer, and closed it. Sort of like a little lost and found collection area. And, um, and I looked up, and he was gone. He was gone. He literally was gone like the minute. So I was like, oh, okay. He was just the kindest man. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Sunday morning comes around and uh, and that lady's back. And I was like, oh, I was like, hey, Donna. And I opened up the the drawer and I was like, is this yours? And she looks at it and she goes, oh my goodness. And she starts to cry. She's like crying. And she's like, I can't believe this. Where did you find this? What happened? Where, where did you find it? I said, oh, some man just brought it in to the church and just handed it to me. And she goes, when? I was like, on Wednesday night. And she goes, oh, my goodness. And it looked perfect. Mm-hmm. She goes, I lost this like three months ago. And it was somewhere in the parking lot. And he found it like next to a next to the curb, you know. That's what he says. In the yeah. parking lot, yeah. So we had had snow. We had snow plows because, you know, it was a crazy mm-hmm. winter. Like, in the, like the church was super busy. We were exploding. So there would be like four services a weekend. And there would be like. 300 cars coming through the parking lot, you know, yeah. it's just people, it would have been seen or it would have been destroyed. And um, she just, she goes, I can't believe this. This is crazy. She goes, I had prayed specifically that God would send an angel to find it and bring it to, to the church and bring it in the lost and found. Mm-hmm. I was like, you prayed specifically for an angel. And she's like, I did. And man, I got like goosebumps. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think I heard your prayer because I think that was an angel that handed me this keychain, and uh, and that's when she told me it was her that her son had made it, and it was all it was very special to her. 
and she had had it on all of her little Bible covers that she'd used through the years, you know. Um, so that was like the second angelic yeah. story. So I actually may have touched one because I know our hands touched when he handed it to me, Ooh. which was kind of cool. Yeah. So I possibly could have touched an angel. Um, touched by an angel. Touched by an angel. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make a TV show. <laughs> That's right. Is that what, was it called Touched by an Angel? Yeah, or it was, was it called Touched by, by, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Touch by an Angel. Yeah. With um, Downey, uh, what was her name? Uh, she's she's the big she's married to the guy from uh, Survivor I think and the guy that started Survivor. That's, no, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, and uh, the the producer guy. Yeah, he and, started like every uh, reality TV show. Yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not uh, Jeff Probst, but the the, yeah, the, yeah. the director, Mark Davies. Mark, or something yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyways, Roma Downey that was her name. Yeah. So. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Try to reach back and find it. Yeah. So that was my. My Second. yeah. So the uh, I was kind of leading up to this. Uh, there's kind of like some logic in my head. Was uh, thinking, you know, at the same time when you were talking about uh, how you know when we're down in our, our our when we're most vulnerable in terms of you know opening ourselves up to demons and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's when they attack and. Um, at the same time, I kind of wanted to – I have this different uh, – not something that is directly contradicting that, but I think uh, that also there's there's a counterpoint to that in the sense of when we are uh, – at least I'll, I'll speak for myself. I want to be very cautious about how I say things. That's why I'm kind of watching my words and thinking about it a little bit. Uh when we when we are when I am growing closer to God and I'm following I think the path closer uh, to what He has you know when I'm living out when I'm really you know diving into the Word when I'm really being uh, strict with my disciplines and that kind of stuff I think in my own personal life that's when more spiritual stuff you know aside from all the drug stuff has been ramping up. Um, hmm. And the the way I always kind of viewed it is, uh, just, so I, I kind of want to say in a caution to anyone that might be listening to this that may be like, oh, well, I'm doing everything right. Why am I having some spiritual mm-hmm. stuff happen? Because I've, you know, uh, part of this episode uh, was spurred on by the idea of me sharing some of the spiritual stuff I've been talking about off, you know, with you guys and other people and other people have been talking to me about stuff that has happened to them mm-hmm. and not that they came uh and specifically w- was like oh you know is, does this mean i'm a bad doing something wrong um but this idea of when i'm when I, i'm growing closer and becoming more of a threat to satan when i'm becoming uh, more of uh an opposer to the opposer, you know, when yeah. I'm, when I'm gaining ground for Christ, so to speak. Um, I think that that's all, well, also is a time where we may be more open to certain things that are happening. Like basically at the same time, I think that Satan goes after the easy pickings. And, uh, so if we're like really down the, you know, like just 
doing everything right. that's basically living Make, for making it easy for him. Or yeah. Make it easy for him. Yeah. He's going to you know take advantage of that. But I think what, and again, correct me if I'm speaking heresy, but or, but the more that we're living for him, the more that we are um, living for Christ and becoming a vessel for him in the war against, you know, the evil and that opposes him, he's going to make more of an effort, uh, Satan, uh, to kind of knock us down, to scare us, to stop yeah. us from doing what we're doing. Like, because we're a threat to him. Yeah. We yeah. become a threat. So I, I kind of just wanted to state that in the sense of like, if you are suffering from something that is spiritual or all of a sudden you've started dealing with more stuff that is creepy because uh, much in the same way that, uh, you know, I've talked about before, I think we both said the veil seems to be thinning here in the, in the West, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not the third world countries. Um, mm-hmm. That's a whole other conversation. But so there is like a number of uh, incidents, you know, I, I talked about that, that house that my parents were living in. And right when we had started doing this podcast, you know, I started seeing all these kind of things that started off really, uh, I don't want to say really innocent because they started, they weren't innocent. They were super terrifying, but I would, uh, see shadow figures like during when the lights were on and, uh, you know, I would hear, you know, when I'm laying in bed, all the lights are off. I need it really dark. You know, would hear people whispering around the bed, all this kind of stuff. And this is, you know, kind of coinciding with where when we started doing the podcast, you know, like all this stuff was ramping up. And I don't and again, I'm saying this with no uh, in the most humble way that I, you know, just being in kind of an outlet, you know, talking about this stuff. I presume that it's more of a threat of us doing this podcast than if I hadn't have done it. So I'm not saying I'm changing the world for Christ, but I'm doing something for him. And, uh, so the stuff, you know, started ramping up there, you know, and eventually it started, you know, I've been physically attacked by stuff. That's eventually where it led. And that's mm-hmm. when, you know, I was talking to you, you guys about it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you know, this stuff's starting to happen at, you know, I'm, it's becoming physical. It's not just like this scary stuff where I'd see things like that became right. almost an easy thing. Like that happens all the time. I'd always see these things. I remember I was house sitting for my parents for like a weekend and, you know, we had a dog there and my cats were there. And, uh, you know, I, I remember I was sitting up in the living room uh, eating, making some Salisbury steaks. And all of a sudden it just sounded like, a group like a chorus of people just having conversations in the house just all around me just like you know from far away to close wow to right behind me and it's just like i think i was just texting you guys i'm like pray for me everything's going crazy right now i'm really scared but <laughs> i, I can't remember leave. That. yeah and uh you know the, oh i'd leave yeah <laughs> i'd leave <laughs> you, you, i think you told me you're like come over and visit that you know come stay at the house you can stay down here um but yeah, and you you came over and you uh, blessed the house and uh, we anointed it with oil. <laughs> we had a crazy experience doing that too. Yeah. Um, you want to say that or what? Well, I know when it. I think it was my idea to yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. pray and anoint like every room with oil. We put over I the put doorway oil on yeah. every yeah, and every room at the top of the doorpost and. You know, um, the oil is not magic. Obviously, it's it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit 
mm-hmm. and we were basically just claiming your house for Christ yeah. and his property. And, you know, not that your parents, they're believers, they're strong believers, yeah. you know, very respectful Christians. And, and, uh, not that the house wasn't being used for good right. things, you know, but for whatever reason there was that thing, but I will, rem- I remember specifically not having peace. Mm-hmm. There was like a real, um, I just remember the whole time we were doing, it, I just wanted to get it done. Yeah. And I typically don't feel that way. Typically I'm not, n- I'm not nervous about that stuff. It doesn't, you know, I know who I am in Christ. I know who Christ is. Um, so it doesn't scare me, mm-hmm. but there was definitely a tangible lack of peace mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. house, like in the house. Right. And then when we got to your bedroom and we were downstairs and, and we anointed that bulkhead. Yeah. Which is right where we always, I always saw the shadow figures. Yeah. I'm like right. Even right now I'm getting like <laughs> a weird, I'm getting weird goosebumps. I just, we like anointed it. And, um, a couple hours later you sent me a picture and there was like a it hand. It was right after it. Was it right after? It's right after you left because we went upstairs and started talking for a little bit and I went back down. Yeah. Okay. And it was like a handprint. Yeah. There was like a little baby handprint. It was weird. Right where the oil was. Yeah. Like it was like in defiance to the oil. And it was like dug into the paint. Yeah. It was really <laughs> weird. It was really weird. And then I had not been having those experiences of the shadow figures, but it was after that when one night I I used to have a Jeep and it was in the summertime. And I remember I took the doors in the top back and the doors were off and I got home late. It was uh, a Monday night. We had done, I had done young adults Mm -hmm. ministry. And so I got home about 11, maybe a little bit later and I pulled in the driveway and I would just lock the center console on my Jeep and it was already locked. So I just yanked up the, the emergency brake and, you just leave. You just leave everything in there. I didn't. I had my Bible. I just grabbed it, and as I jumped out, between because I was parked next to my wife's car, a as I was getting ready to jump out, a weird-looking shadow thing went running across between the cars, mm-hmm. and it ran down. And I looked back, and it ran across the street in between the houses across the street, and there's woods behind their house, and I was like, nope. Nope, that's it. Nope. In Jesus' name, you leave. You don't come back. And I don't know what it was doing. It wasn't a cat. It wasn't an animal. It wasn't a person. And it ran right inches away from you. Yeah, yeah. It ran right next to me. Like I was getting ready to jump out of the. Yeah. Had no doors on the Jeep. I was getting ready to jump out. Anybody that has a Jeep, you know how it is. You just pop the seatbelt, boom, and you're out. You know, it's the greatest thing about it. And uh, and you can see everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was weird. So that was the only time I saw a shadow figure. Yeah. But it was after that. But that was the same day that I had something happen. Remember when I called the cops? Oh. Basically staying at home in this house. And because uh, I remember I was talking about it at young adults. And then you went home and you had the same thing. I called the cops because I thought people had broken into the house. They came and cleared it because I had. Uh, I, I was going to say. Oh, that's I, right. I don't scare easily. But I was sitting there and I was so freaked out. And uh, you heard, you I heard? heard a bunch of people talking, and it was different. I knew it was different, so I ran out. Um, I was at my parents' house at the time. You know, my parents' house. Ran out to my car to go grab my gun. <laughs> called my dad, and I was like, "Dad, hey, there's something in the house. It's different." Because he, he's used to, you know, I was living with them when I moved back up from Florida, and I just tell him about all the, you know, some of the crazy stuff that was happening. 
And uh, I was like, hey, if you don't hear from me in like five minutes, call the cops because something's happening. And, you know, and he said, so I, you know, went back and I, we had our dog that was, you know, still alive at the time and he was super cool. And uh, I remember he was on edge the whole time. My cats were on edge the whole time. Mm. So I come back in through the garage. I got my gun. And uh, I had a 1911, so, like, you know, I heard, you know. I know that 1911. <laughs> and so I'm walking up I'm the very steps. very familiar with yeah. that 1911. <laughs> You're never getting it back. Shut up. <laughs> Shouldn't have never sold it. Oh, man, I love that. But uh, so I remember my dog, I, like, look at him. I'm like, Rody, we got to go clear this. We got to go clear upstairs, <laughs> you know. And he just looks at me, and he's like, you know, we're doing it, you know. <laughs> Between and your so, legs, he's like, yeah, So he's right next to me, and I'm. You know, going up each step. And again, I am not a tough guy. I don't pretend to be a tough guy. I don't think I'm a tough guy. And all of a sudden, you know, I, so I pulled the slide back on the 19, you know, to cock it with the hammer. And I say, I'm coming up. If you're in the house, I will shoot you. And all of a sudden, I hear this like whistle right on the other side of this, like oh, coming dude. up the stairs. Oh. And it like in response to me. And I was like, nope. <laughs> and then the, I remember, like, I I stop, look down at Rody. Rody looks up at me, and then we just bolt down at the same time. And I call the cops. I'm like, Dad, there's so, there's someone in there. And uh, police came, couldn't find anything. So there was like What's real crazy stuff you that stayed, was happening. You stayed in the house after that, man. I would have been gone. I would have been like, cats, yeah. dog, let's go. <laughs> we'll sleep in the truck. I don't yeah. care. It never happened to my parents. I don't know. Uh, they never really witnessed anything like that. My sister, mm. but. Uh, I remember that was that crazy stuff, but yeah, it's uh, and that stuff followed. Uh, yeah, it's we don't know what it is, but it, it was uh, some crazy stuff that was happening right when we started the podcast. That I, so, no one found anything. They didn't have you know the whole thing. The cops came, swept the whole house. Yeah, <laughs> they couldn't find and anything. it was on the second floor, so there's the no second. way they could jump out a window. Mm-hmm. And you saw all the doors. You were around all yeah. the doors. Yeah, and. Uh, so yeah, that was all seen. this stuff, yeah, mm. happening when we uh, started doing this podcast. So we are doing this we in putting, defiance. No, all these the people listening. We're I'm going through this for your sake. <laughs> <laughs> you want to listen? I'm just kidding. But uh, well, some people would argue that the fact that you acknowledge it and talk about it, you invite it, and all of that. You know, like um, like I used to know somebody who's like, don't ever mention you know suicide from a sermon like in a sermon because it'll get people thinking about it and then oh. they'll, they'll, they might do it and, I'll, and i'm like okay whatever but they, they it's would, like the whole purity culture thing like don't talk about sex because then people want to do it right. <laughs> doesn't work that way it makes people hyper curious yeah. well <laughs> how I mean, do i know <laughs> Well, you want our bodies are designed to want to do it anyways. Yeah. You don't need to talk yeah. about it. <laughs> uh, but for for real though, yeah. Um, but so I don't I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But I do think yeah. once you once you um, are exposed to it and the reality of it, mm-hmm. like you can't really go back. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can ignore it and deny it all you want, but it doesn't change the fact that it's real and it's existed yeah. and exists and you've been encountering it. Um, and some people are have spiritual gifts where they're well, more was, in tune, you know, with the spirit. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> happy you said that because I wanted to also say like, people. I'm not saying this as like some sort of. Uh, I, I wouldn't brag about it, but uh, I was gonna say it is. You know, I have the, I have the gift of discernment, and uh, you know, uh, you pointed out that 
there's two kinds of discernments, gifts of discernment. You said discernment of spirits, right? Yeah, discerning of spirits. And yeah, uh, yeah so I, I was going to say that I maybe I'm just more, I happen to see more stuff because I'm gifted in that way, but uh, it's just creepy stuff, yeah. man. Well, well yeah. you, it's interesting that you bring it up that, oh, sorry, Turner. No, go ahead. Um, but it's interesting that you bring it up that it's right when you were starting the podcast that like a lot of the stuff is really heavy because, um, and then the same thing where we were talking earlier about um, when Jesus was tempted, mm. um, it was right at the beginning of his ministry. And mm. obviously like there's been so many attempts to end the bloodline essentially by the antichrist spirit i was actually just listening to this sermon the other day about um why why do people celebrate purim and it's because of um haman definitely had the antichrist spirit um not only that but he was a descendant of gosh what's the name of the tribe it was a tribe of um, like this entire like culture and tribe of people that Saul was supposed to have wiped out and didn't mm-hmm. that he disobeyed and so yes and so Haman was the descendant of that king that Saul did not wipe out and if he had done that then you wouldn't have had Haman but anyway everybody was able to fight back but Haman uh, Pharaoh Herod those are all examples of the Antichrist spirit trying to wipe out the bloodline so that Jesus could not be born. And so once all of those things failed, Jesus actually was born. And so then Satan is trying to sabotage it in whatever way he can Mm. um, while Jesus is alive. And I think it's interesting that, I mean, the the enemy knows that he's probably (laughs) already lost. And Mm -hmm. yet he's still trying to do whatever he can to remove our eyes from the savior he's trying to remove our eyes from what we should be focusing on even if it's removing our eyes from like the the power that we have as children of god like the power that we have that we're we're no longer under that bondage anymore right um and if you just if we're distracted from that it's easy to go back under that bondage and it's easy to you know lose out on even the power that there is in just proclaiming the word or proclaiming the name of Jesus. Like we, we really, and that's the the sad thing about not having that presence of, or not having the, the, um, like in, like in other cultures where it's right there, it's with them. Like they, they know the spiritual realm is real and yet maybe they don't have the hope of salvation, Mm. but we do. And yet we also are like, unaware some people are unaware and oblivious of um the spiritual realm that's going on and so it's almost like they they're not aware of the power on either side you know so you're hyper aware rosie (laughs) and especially now when like you're making strides away from the bondage that you were in before Mm. towards actually like living your life out for the lord and telling your story honestly there has never been more opposition in my life than when I was trying to tell my story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of how I was delivered from what I was delivered from. Like mm-hmm. there was more opposition and just from people I did not expect 
Um, and it was so discouraging. I almost just wanted to be quiet about it and mm. just not, you know, I just wanted to like forget it all and not tell people about it. And there is so much power in the story that of redemption in our lives. So it's yeah. something that, you know, of course the enemy is going to try and sabotage that and scare you. <laughs> That's a great point too. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry is when he tried to derail him mm. so that he couldn't go and do what he want, what God had for him. And, you know, right when we started the podcast, which it was sort of a, we never planned this to be any type of ministry. Yeah. In fact, I'm reluctant to call it a ministry, yeah. um, but it does do ministry. Um, maybe the enemy was trying to come and derail you mm-hmm. uh, from that. And that's a good point, Rachel. That's a real good point about that. And I believe that for sure. Um, and, you know, even though you might have, he might be a discerner, uh, more in tune. I'm like a reluctant <laughs> myself. I'm reluctant <laughs> about it all. But uh, you guys want to hear my last yes. angel? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So this is the the mm-hmm. amazing one. This is the crazy one. Um, so, uh, I was probably 23 years old and I, my buddy and I had started a small painting company and we were hanging wallpaper and painting and we got a job in working to do a commercial office building and we were only allowed to go in there after five o'clock. So we would go, we would show up at the building at like five 30 and we would work all night long and we'd cut out at about like two o'clock in the morning. And uh, it was such a great deal for us because it was a big paying job, so we couldn't turn it down. And uh, so I remember I was, it, it was about a 40 minute drive from where we were, where the job was to my house. And I used to have a little Mazda 323, I think is what it was. I can't remember what the number was. It was like an old, the old Mazda, it had a sunroof. Mm-hmm. And it was my dad's car at one time. And uh, it was in the summertime, so I had the windows down and sunroof sunroof open and I was driving and I had noticed that there was this what I thought was an airplane it was like a light Mm. above as I was driving down the road and there's like no traffic or anything and I came to a stoplight and I looked up through the sunroof and I noticed that uh it was stopped and I couldn't hear anything like you normally you can hear an airplane or whatever I couldn't hear it and it was bigger than like a normal airplane light like a not like a like a um, prop plane light, you know, mm-hmm. and it wasn't blinking. It was just a solid white light. And I was like, that's weird. And so I was like, man, is that a UFO, whatever, you know, what is going on? So I'm just praying and I'm driving and I um, get home and it had followed me all the way home mm-hmm. and it stayed like right over my car the whole time. And it was far enough away where I couldn't really tell exactly what it was. So I get out of the car and it's over me, it's over the car, so I close my car up, lock it up, get out of the car, and I'm in front of my house, and um, we lived right next to this Baptist church. And the Baptist church had all this woods around it, and so we had a nice wooded side yard and across the street from us and, and everything. It was pretty cool. And um, I noticed that the light moved over to where it was like in front of my house, and my house was to my back. I was standing facing away from my house. And it was like moving through the trees. Mm. And so it was like going behind trees and in front of trees and stuff. And I could tell that it was closer than it looked like it was. So I'm like, okay. And I'm like, well, the only thing I know how to do is 
do you have a message for me? <laughs> so I spoke out. I was like, do you have a message for me? And it didn't say anything. It just kept coming closer and moving away. And, and it was like pulsing, mm. very bright. So I was like, all right, well, whatever. I ran in the house and I grabbed my roommate. And I was like, Dave, Dave, get up, get up. And he's like, well, what's up? And I was like, come here quick. So we go outside and I'm like, do you see that? And it had moved. It had moved over to the right where it was kind of like exposed. And he's like, yeah, what is it? And I was like, that has followed me home. It was going through the woods over there back and forth. I think it's an angel. And he goes, yeah, okay, maybe. This is like three in the morning. So you got to understand, he's like, freak, I'm freaking out. I'm wide awake. You know, I've been working. He's dead asleep. He's woken up. So he goes back in. And I stand there for a few minutes, and I'm just looking at it, and it's just moving back and forth. It's just going back slowly across, you know, into the wooded area and then back, and it's just kind of moving, and but it very bright. And so then I'm like, okay, well, no message, no nothing. Okay. And so I go into my room, and my room was in the um, on the ground level. And there was a window right above my bed, and it was like a um, a window well with the window, like because uh, it was a basement, like kind of half. It was like a half basement. We you could walk into the house in the front, and then the back of the house was like um, was like the way the hill was. Mm-hmm. And so my room had a window, and I kid you not, I'm laying in bed. It comes outside of my window, and it's literally outside of my window, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do, but it was bright and it followed me home and everything. And uh, I did ended, it light up your room. You could definitely tell it was it was brighter. Hmm. It and uh, you know especially because I was aware of it. Yeah. And um, I didn't have any curtains or anything because uh, we were I just poor, <laughs> poor uh, twenty you know three year old or whatever. And uh, so that was my like angel angel story. Hmm. Um, and. I think I've had a couple more incidences with angels that I probably don't re- realize, you know, yeah. um, traveling and stuff like that. You know, I did a lot of missionary work. There was a lot of things, you know, I was in Russia uh, back in 93, in 94, and uh, I, there were some crazy things that happened there, mm. you know, that just shouldn't have happened, stuff like that. But, yeah, so that was my, like, shining bright light angel story. Yeah. <laughs> But it was kind of terrifying. Like, you know, they say, you know, when you see an angel or whatever, the, the guys would fall down like yeah. they were dead or whatever. Um, it, it kind of, it did strike like a holy fear in you, like when I looked at it, you know. So, hmm. but uh, yeah, so that's that story. Yeah. <laughs> and if it was a guardian angel, it got, I got home okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he knew all I had to do was turn on my lights a little bit and, and he'll get home quick, you know, yeah. get home safe. <laughs> yeah. Um, who knows? Who knows? Maybe there was some spiritual thing happening I didn't even know about. Yeah. Maybe someone was praying for me. Probably. You know. But, yeah. So, anyways. But, dude, it's been almost two hours. Oh, my like, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it went long. I didn't know it was this long. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. I was going to say – I. I just to kind of sum it up with this, I do have an angel story that I remember. I, okay. I told you like right after, and uh, it was uh, not a. Uh, <laughs> I want to say it because not because uh, <laughs> whatever. Okay, so it was when we were at uh, young adults at the. Uh, I'll just say the second church. Do you remember the story? Mm-hmm. And uh, right when we were, it was during worship. I remember I would oh, kind yeah. of sit in the. Uh, the back row, um, 
just to, you know, just hanging out in the back and kind of making sure, you know, just make sure no one weird would come in or anything like that. Just kind of be ready. Um, cause there's no security. It was like you and me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we were it. Yeah. Basically. And you know, maybe another guy that would hop in, but, uh, so I remember I was, you know, like looking over and out of the corner of my eye, I just see this guy that's sitting across the aisle from me and he has like his hands raised and he was just like, you know, worshiping or whatever. And I remember looking and like, I'm looking straight, but you know, out of the corner, the side of my eye without moving my head, I see the person there and worshiping. And I'm like, huh, I don't know who that is. Cause it doesn't look like anybody that like it was, dre- I think it was wearing like something. I remember red or red top or something like that. <laughs> and I remember as I like turned my head and like go to fully look, it was gone. So mm. it was like, the corner of my eye, it's there. And then in my same peripheral, I look and there's no one there. And I was like, this is really weird because this is like when all this stuff's happening too. <laughs> so I remember I, uh, uh, oh, yeah, well, there's that other stuff that I would hear. There's, uh, hear the weird, uh, I'm not going to talk about this because it's going to throw some shade at a <laughs> church. I don't want to put on blast, but yeah. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you guys after the podcast, there's other stuff happening. Um, but yeah, I remember I was like, dude, I don't know what happened. I don't know if this was like a demon inside the church. What happened? There's somebody, <laughs> there's somebody standing there. Did you see him? You're like, no, You're like, maybe it was an angel worshiping with us. But, uh, so that's my only angel story, but, uh, well, the worship was really good. It was good. We, I remember it being really it just was. special. Yeah. That, that year or so was really special worship time. Yeah. But there was a yeah. couple of times I didn't feel like I need to even preach after worship. Mm-hmm. I'd just be like, what, what am I doing? I'm just going to ruin the mood. Yeah. You always did. <laughs> I always did. <laughs> no, Successful. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Anyways, I just want to put it on a lighter note that I've seen the good, too. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, it's there. It's there to be seen, and it's for real. And, you know, I saw, I read a quote. I don't know who said this. It may not even be a Christian, but it said, <laughs> we're not, we're not, um, we're not human. We're not oh, humans in a spiritual experience. We're spirits with a human experience or something like that. Yeah. That's not a Christian. Who it's said not that. a Christian. Oh, okay, but, but there's truth to that. Yeah, you know we are, you know the dynamics of the creation for humans are that there is a spirit, mm-hmm. and to claim that we fully understand it mm-hmm. is, I think, an error, mm-hmm. and to claim and to begin to attribute things to it that we don't understand as well is dangerous. Mm-hmm. So you just got to be careful and just always lean and filter through the scriptures. Yeah, because God's revealed his truth through the Bible, and so we would want to lean into that for the best possible, you know, filtering devices for what is happening and what should we expect. But but for real, it's for real, and and I would encourage, you know, our listeners to um, take advantage of that part of your life, the dynamic of that part of your life. Pray in the Spirit in all times and ask God to, you know— um, lead you with his Holy Spirit and, uh, you know, pray that God would, like, if you're praying for a family member or praying for a spouse or if you're praying for a friend, pray that God would loosen angels from heaven to do mm-hmm. ministry and warfare and 
and do the works that they, that would pertain to God's will over their life, mm-hmm. you know, and um, ask God to do that. Because if Jesus himself said, I could call on the Father and have a legion of angels right now if I wanted, how, how, why, why wouldn't we have that same, that same access, mm-hmm. you know? The power that raised Christ from the dead resides with us. Not to say that we're Christ, but, right. you know, we... We can call angels. That's right. The Holy Spirit. Ask for help. That's right. That's right. And and he's given us all authority under heaven and earth. We're created higher than the angels. Yeah. No. They they long to look into why God would love us. <laughs> we're just these... <laughs> so true. These fallen, broken vessels of clay. You know, we're just from the dirt, from the ground. You know, how could, how could God possibly love this? Mm-hmm. You know, I <laughs> love us. It just blows me away to think about. Yeah. Anyways, Rach, you want to add anything? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I would kill the mood. Oh. But one of our favorite <laughs> verses, one of our favorite verses, my mom would read to us. Um, gosh, what was it? <laughs> the one we were talking about. We are but dust. Mm. And my siblings would always be like, "But dust." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we're but dust. <laughs> so. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what God sees. I don't think he sees anything in us other than his His image, you know? Mm-hmm, right. But I think that the fact that we are able to experience this and experience him and have the choice to follow him or to go our own way, like, that's something that no one else really has. Mm. I mean, the angels can't be redeemed which is kind of sad yeah. if you think about it and they've made their but, choices yeah they made their choices like the at fact the fault you know they get to see so much more than we do we only get to see you know through the veil like or through a <laughs> dark mirror you know like it's right. crazy that we're still we still what we get to experience just points us closer to our creator if our eyes are open, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, too, think about like Daniel and Ezekiel and mm-hmm. even Isaiah. Mm-hmm. You know, he sees like the opening of Isaiah. He's like in the temple. He saw the, the Lord's, the trail of his robe filled the temple and he was like undone. And he's like, you know, he had to touch his lips with the coal. And Ezekiel sees the wheel within a wheel and the un- eyes. Un- yeah, all the eyes. And it's like, He's he, he probably thought he was insane. He probably thought he was insane, you know. And then Daniel seeing the one who looks like a man standing on the river's edge, and then then Gabriel shows up and he's like, "Why are you late?" And he's like, "Oh, I had to uh, call in reinforcements. I was getting uh, I was engaged in a battle yeah. with the Prince of Persia, <laughs> yeah. you know." And all that's real, mm-hmm. but they had the veil had pulled back for them to see that Jacob with the or Abraham with the. Uh, was it Abraham or Jacob who had the dream of the angels on the ladder going up? Jacob. Jacob. Jacob's ladder. That's right. Yeah. So Jacob with his dream of the ladder and the angels and they were going in and out of the portal, mm-hmm. you know, of going through the firmament into the heavenlies. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah. So, um, man, this has, been, this has been cool. We've been wanting to talk about this for a while. Mm-hmm. And I, I may, you know, let this sit in the um, private edition for a while and I may just throw this out on the the main podcast in, in a couple of weeks just for everyone to listen to. Yeah. Um, if you guys are cool with that, uh, it's a good conversation. 
So yeah. cool. Well, you made it through our third private episode and all of you listeners, I just want to thank you. Um, once again, the people that contributed to, um, to, to the private episodes to bless Rosie and I and Rachel and I, so we can just pay for upfront the hosting costs for transistor and which is our hosting site and, and, uh, just get, take care of some stuff. It's what a blessing. We yeah. don't deserve it. We appreciate it. And we pray that you guys are blessed, uh, more and more. And, um, and I appreciate, you know, I've made some really cool friends just mm. on, um, through the Instagram account. I've made a couple really cool friends online and I've never had friends yeah. like that before. So for you guys are younger. You probably are more familiar with that, but me being the old man, um, I was always warned not to talk to strangers. And uh, <laughs> Hey, I had good parents. They said the same thing. Yeah. They're like not much older than I am. <laughs> but uh, but in truth, I mean, uh, the way that it, it, it has played out is that um, there's some really wonderful people that listen to our podcast. And mm-hmm. um, they're wonderful. Absolutely. They're super encouraging. And uh, we only pray that they'll be blessed as well, that the way that they blessed us. So yeah, I just wanted to say that. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's truly humbling. Yeah, seriously, every time. Uh, just thinking yeah. that people listen to it, let alone will, will uh, get enough out of it that they want to uh, financially help out, <laughs> is so ridiculously well, humbling. We've only got seventeen more to do to keep yeah, our promise. So, <laughs> private episode. So, Rachel, it was so cool to have you with us back. I mean, it's cool yeah. to have you back in general, but it was cool to have you on this, yeah. on, on the private side. But, um, yeah. so, uh, anyways, well, listen, we've got another episode to record for the next yeah. All Out War podcast. And tell your friends, and uh, we appreciate everybody. So we'll catch you next time. Love you.